right, welcome to Dent Bible Student Ministries on this happy Sunday morning. I love that we have a violin out here just getting to sing praise to our uh, Lord and Savior Jesus. And so, wow, it is December. You are close to being done with school for a while. Man, you don't, I mean, we have so much to be grateful for. Um, it's a, we've had some beautiful weather. We're continuing with our Advent series and I'm thrilled. We have things like, this was announced today. I'm so excited, PegFest. And so it's really early, I know, but the end of January, we'll, maybe we'll get here before you know it. And so I encourage you to uh, take one of these flyers home with you and uh, consider making your team, high schoolers, make your dream team uh, start. You got one kind of, you got a couple more days at school maybe to get ahead of that and uh, get some people in here that maybe need to be here and make a team. It's going to be amazing. Remember, anyone that you bring that it doesn't already come here that's kind of like a visitor, so to speak. I don't want to call them like an outsider. But for lack of a better term, they, they just don't go here. Man, bring them on your team. And remember, any team that does that gets a special gift from us at PegFest. We just want to encourage you guys to always be extending invitations to your friends. The power of the personal invite goes a long way. And I uh, love that video. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to, to tell you all about the, the animal we put on the back of the shirt this year. Which is great. You know, every now and then... Just a great, uh, with, the, uh, with the text you're given, an amazing illustration or something just comes in there and it fits perfectly. And today, I mean, I have the, the coolest and greatest story uh, to tell you about what uh, our text today and Jesus. And so... Mr. Who? No, I'm Keaton Adamson. Is that what you meant? I think, did you mispronounce my name? You have a package? Wait, wait, wait. This is, so just remember the story's great. Uh, this is, can this happen after service? I mean, kind of. Do I need to sign? Okay, I'll just sign it and I'm sorry about this. Let me, let me sign this and uh, get, right, get right back to uh, what I didn't, okay, thank you. And how'd you know I was here? I mean. Okay. Okay, thank you, good sir. Happy holidays. Don't work too hard. All right. Well, that's delivery for you, man. Give that person a raise, whoever you are. Uh, that's delivery. All right. If it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. All right. So uh, maybe I'm hungry. Well, all right, back. I got a great story for you guys. Like I said, I'm, I apologize. Where was I? Okay. So this one time in my life, I think I was either 13 or 14 years. What? What is going on? Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, oh, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I got a, is this, a, are you a pizza delivery guy? No. Oh, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what do you, uh, yeah, I'm Keaton, so is this for me? Yeah. All right, well, um, I, oh, tip, does anyone have any money? I feel bad, I always try and tip well. Uh, you can talk to them, all right, thank you for this. Um, man, pizza too? Wow, I get a, I got a package delivered to me on stage, and now, uh, uh, what was we thought pizza before it got juggled around? Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna put this here and maybe we'll eat eat that later. Uh, Papa John's. This is not advertising uh, advertisement. Uh, we're actually sponsored by the thing, and so the Holy Spirit. So uh, yeah, yeah, I got a package delivered to me today on stage. That's a first, and now I have less time to talk about this illustration. Okay, well, there you go. For the last time, I want to tell you this story because I was in middle school, and are you really? What? What? Are you a Starbucks worker? 
uh, I'm Keaton. That happens to me all the time. You always misspell it. Yeah, it's Keaton. Or, act, if I get, or Keats. Oh, I don't, okay. Thank you. Uh, you yeah, tip goes, you can ask them for a, a tip. I know that we tip. And shouldn't you go back to the store? I mean, is, but the line's really long now. All right, you come, okay. All right, so you delivered it to me. Give it up for our delivery people. This right here. Yeah, we'll just, I mean, yeah. Delivery, wow, delivery, delivery, delivery. That's exciting. Well, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about talking about that, but since I'm out of time now for the illustration, uh, that, that kind of works with what we're talking about this morning. Thank you all for, for those things. You know the excitement you get with getting a package, especially around this time of year. A lot of you order things. Um, it, it's become such a big industry that uh, even on the bad side of that, right, something good will have the opposite effect. And so people like, you know, like to steal those packages. And there's like even, I've, saw, I've seen it more so this year, advertisements of like boxes and, and safes and stuff that people drop their, their, their packages in so it won't get stolen. It's crazy. People put all like cameras on their front porch to watch for burglars. Where are we, man? 2019s. Uh, so, but there's nothing about excitement. There's no more excitement than receiving a package that's just for you. Maybe you've, you've had something on order and it finally arrives and it just gives you a little boost in your step, a little joy to the world. Like, woo, all right. My day was going bad. I flunked that test. But you know what came in the mail today? That's awesome. I cannot wait. Uh, also, pizza. I mean, we got to talk about the elephant in the room here. Uh, we have pizza d delivery, man. Receiving a pizza, you've done it a million times, but every time you, you make that call, it's good. And then you receive the box, and it's so good. It's so better. Um, so when you receive that pizza, you have joy, right? Because it was delivered to you. It arrived at your house, and every the dog barks. It's a whole scene. You can eat <laughs> like you've never eaten before. You know, we do this a lot. We, we celebrate the arrival of things. Very much so. Pizza, yes. Packages. Uh, when you're, if it's a long line at Starbucks or whatever coffee shop you go to, sure, uh, you, you, they call your name. And you're like, yeah, that's me. All right, let's go. And I, I love it. So the arrival of a package, the opening night of a movie. Some of you are going to stand in line for hours on Thursday night, and that's to you uh, for a new movie to drop out, and that's, that's great. Or a new album to finally drop, and you, you know it's midnight. At East Coast, so you know it's 11 here, and you'll be like, oh, great. I just had to stay up till 11. I can hear new music, and that's exciting to you. There's something new about it. Even from the arrival of maybe a best friend that's been away at camp or for a long time, and you just, oh, you're like planning out how you're going to get to talk to them, and you're going to all, the list of things you're all going to get to catch up on, and that's, that's amazing too. Or when you finally, you're on a road trip. A lot of you are going to be taking road trips this holidays. Uh, to, to places maybe you want to go to and some places where you're not looking forward to seeing uh, all the family. I don't know your, your situation, but uh, when you finally arrive somewhere, it's still fun because you're done that long road trip. And you've arrived at your destination, you know, when they used to have GPS systems more so in the car. I can't believe it's here mentality. We like that. Oh, I can't believe it's finally arrived. Finally. We've waited so long. I just took my last final. Yippee. I'm so excited. I still failed the class, but I'm excited. I, at least I, I, the test is done. You celebrate, we celebrate arrivals more than you think. There's, like I said, there's the ordering of the pizza. Hang with me here. There's the actual ordering and calling, which is fine. There's the anticipation of waiting, but then the best part is the delivery of it and the arrival. 
I mean, of course, duh. And you finally get to eat and be satisfied. And that's why we've done this series called Advent. It just means the arrival of Christ. The advent of Jesus Christ coming to earth. That's why we're doing this third week in this series. Um, Advent will finish up next week with Peter up here. And we're going to look at the atonement of Christ. But it's a season celebrated by Christians as a time of waiting and anticipating the celebration of Jesus Christ's birth on earth in Bethlehem. That's all it is. We're just waiting for him um, to be born and celebrate that again. He has been born. But we wait for that this Christmas season. That's why we have a Christmas Eve service. That's why we wake up on Christmas Day and we want to celebrate him first. Because if you bear with me here, Jesus was ordered in a garden in Genesis 3.15 to take care of our sin problem. God fixed it. He said, you sinned, you disobeyed, but I have a solution. I have a savior solution, Jesus Christ. So in a way, he was ordered back in Genesis in the garden, anticipated throughout the Old Testament, then delivered to a hurting and broken world in Bethlehem. Kind of just like a pizza box. But Jesus is way better than pizza. And we're gonna, this morning, we're actually going to look at that aspect of the, pro, the story, the arrival of Christ. He's a great present to us. He's the best gift of all. We're going to see the actual night, the arrival. We're going to look at that and zoom in in Luke chapter 2. And to help us do that, we're going to have some characters here. We're going to look through the eyes of the shepherds. The first week we looked at Christmas through the eyes of God himself. And we looked at all the way through the Old Testament, the anticipation. And through several prophets, they wrote scripture about the coming Messiah. They looked ahead. And then last week we looked at Mary, Christmas through Mary's eyes and her perspective in the Christmas story. And quite the perspective. You could even do a whole Sunday on Christmas through Joseph's eyes. Imagine all that. Going home and telling your family, yeah, uh, we're, yeah we're engaged. Uh, we're supposed to be married. Yeah, and she's pregnant. Yeah, and it, uh, it, yeah, it was from the Lord. Yeah, it was. Yeah. What? There's a lot of confusion in that. There's a lot of drama in that. What? The first time it's ever happened in history to have a virgin birth and it happened to that family. You don't think they're talking about that? They have questions. Imagine that house. And Joseph and Mary trust the Lord. And we find them in our story today as well. We're going to zoom in on a quiet, a still night in Bethlehem at the birth of Jesus Christ through the eyes of the shepherds. And we're going to learn something about being a shepherd tonight as well. And we're going to end with a beautiful illustration of that with this video uh, actually my mom shared with me it's a really cool perspective of just a single maybe shepherd and what it could have been like and so I'm just going to set that up for later and then we're going to get to end after the video with worship and we're going to exit through these doors hopefully more excited about the arrival of Christ than when we came in here all right and so if you have a bible I also have the scripture up there Luke chapter 2 um, and you know the story uh, it's just in verses 1 through 20 and it, it, it is, it's a story, it's a drama. It's like a play. And you're going to have certain characters do certain things. There's a plot and setting. And it's, it's really fun to listen to. And so for some of you this morning, maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you've heard this story so much. You just want to see it with new eyes, hear with new ears. And I would encourage you to do so. And pray in your heart even right now as I'm talking. I won't even pause for it. Just, just be praying, saying, God, would you, I don't want this to be just another Christmas. Uh, would you do something new in me today? Could you make this story more real in my life? Could you get my distractions aside? Maybe it means not reading the Bible on my phone because something may pop up, but maybe just living in this moment for the next, give me 15 minutes 
right? We can do this together. Let's huddle around this warm fire, which is Luke 2, with me. I'll try to get out of the way as much as possible because the story tells itself. And we have some fun alliteration today, so I like alliteration. Uh, but we're going to look at the arrival of Christ starting in Luke 2, 1 through 3. We first see the decree, all right? So the decree in verses 1 through 3. This sets it up for us. Watch this. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that happened in the area. And all went to be registered, each to his own home. And so we first see the story take, it gives us a little bit of uh, plot here and purpose. We have a decree that's given through Augustus throughout all the land. A decree for what? Well, people needed to be registered. And to do so, everyone had to go back to their hometown. And so if this happened here, you go away to college, you travel within states, maybe internationally. If something like this happened here and you had to be registered with the government, they would say, all right, all you Dittonites, you got to head back to Ditton. So, I mean, we would all be coming in to our hometown here, just as they were required to do. This is for a Roman uh, census for taxes. It has to do with taxes and a lot of things like that, but that's why it actually had to happen. And so this was given, like I said, by Augustus Caesar. And fun note about him, he's also known as Octavius. And he started his rule in 44 BC through 14 AD. And this is, this is a really cool little side note in, just, in the story of just God's irony. He was actually known as this, his, sort of his title. He was known as the divine savior that would bring peace. And I think that's really funny that he was in rule um, when actual peace came to earth through Jesus. I love it. So we see the decree, and that's actually going to spark uh, Joseph and Mary and, and how they get into our story. Watch this. What, look in verse 4 and 5 with me, and we get a couple more characters. And Joseph, we know him, also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, his, hometown, or his town he was in at this time, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. There we go. Because he was from the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary. Here's our character, Mary, his betrothed, she, they were engaged, who was with child. And we know this from last week, the angels have already come to them and said, you're going to have a baby, you're going to name him Jesus. This has already happened chronologically. They know this. She's been with child for a while, now she's pregnant. And Joseph is, from, is in Nazareth right now, and he had to go up to Jerusalem, which is really south to Jerusalem. There's a map here. Um, you, back then, everyone always said you have to go up to Jerusalem. Wherever you are in Israel, you have to go up to Jerusalem because it's high in elevation. But really, they're up north in Nazareth. Remember, that's Jesus where he went to be his hometown. But they had to walk all the way down towards the, off the Jordan River there, um, east of it. This is where they think they went, through Jericho, and then to, uh, to Jerusalem, and then finally down south to Bethlehem because Bethlehem is right near uh, Jerusalem. 90 miles, okay, 90 miles to the city of David, Joseph and Mary went, because they had to, to be registered with Mary. Uh, he was legally pledged to, to marry her, to marry Mary. She was with child, we've already been told that. This was quite the hardship for both these two. One financially for Joseph, because uh, he was uh, very poor, and of course, for Mary, physically for Mary, to be that far along with child and have to travel 90 miles. And what people say now is still very difficult to do. 
Because let's, let's talk a little bit about Bethlehem and where they're going. Because if you learn some key information about this, it's going to make that journey, the distance, the distance that much more incredible in our eyes. How did they do this? Bethlehem, known as the city of David, it just rests five miles south of Jerusalem, elevation of 2,500 feet. That's 100 feet higher than Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, even when, y'all, when you go to Israel, you notice that. A little change in the, the altitude there. I mean, you're going up. And for, in a bus, it's one thing. You feel it in a bus. But walking, that's another thing. And they're coming from all the way from Nazareth. Galilee is right around Nazareth. And Galilee is one of the lowest places on earth, the Sea of Galilee. And they had to climb up, 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 90 miles with a pregnant Mary all the way to be back in Bethlehem. This is, uh, Bethlehem is really interesting. Um, around the east, there's a valley to the east, and that is where they believe Ruth uh, was gleaning in the fields and met uh, Boaz, and all that happened. This is where David may have raised a lot of his sheep there. If you, when you go to Israel, when, uh, you can stand there and you can take this in. You can see Jerusalem off the distance. You can stand in Bethlehem. You can see kind of the nativity where they believe Christ was born. You can stand there and say, wow, Ruth was there, maybe, gleaning the fields and, and, and they're meeting Boaz. Wow. And David, a young shepherd boy. Incredible. It gives you uh, chills. And Bethlehem, of course, as a lot of you know, because Bethlehem means house of bread, the house of bread. And I learned this when I got to visit, and the modern-day term, what they label Bethlehem now is the house of flesh. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Bethlehem is mentioned mostly in Micah 5.2. This is where a lot of people read during Christmas, because this is Bethlehem kind of getting their, woo, kind of getting their shout-out. and all, This is like a, they're tagging them, like if it's Twitter, you know. They're getting their shout-out in a big way, and this is huge, Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem. Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Oh, little tiny, little Bethlehem. From you shall come forth for me, one who's to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Go Bethlehem. We're team Bethlehem. That's, that's okay. Add it, when you go to Israel, it's not on a lot of people's uh, list uh, to see um, the tour guides, but ask them to take you there. It's worth a day to go there. We see the decree we see the distance they had to travel. And now watch this, the delivery, the actual birth of Jesus Christ portrayed in the Bible in verses 6 through 7. It doesn't get a lot of attention as you might think. It just kind of happens. And watch how it happens. And while they were there, Joseph and Mary, the time came for her, Mary, to give birth. And here it is, verse 7. And she gave birth <laughs> to her firstborn son. She had other sons later, so this is her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them at the inn. And we can take this and hear it, and we've heard it a lot before. And let's zoom in a little bit before we kind of move on. It says, the time came. The time came for Mary to give birth. God's time, right? When the fullness of time happened, God's time. God not surprised. God didn't throw Christmas together. Christmas was orchestrated and planned. When the time came, when God's clock It said, now is the time. You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Divinity wrapped itself in human flesh. 
and a perfect Jesus, baby Jesus, was born into this broken world. This glorious king, king of kings, stepped down off his throne to be born in mud and filth, as we'll see. They wrapped him in swaddling cloths, which was common. And this was not common, though. Laid him in a manger, which really just means feed, or to feed. And so it's really meant just for animals. And so the text never says, we, get, we just naturally put animals in the room, that, because it's just, it's nice, and it's a nice selling point. But we're never told there's actually animals around them. We assume, and that's not bad to assume that. It, it paints a nice picture, sure. But he was placed in a manger. We know that. Probably made of more stone than wood. We put a lot of wood in our nativity scenes, but they were more stone carvers back then. Not a lot of wood in Israel. There could have been wood there, but a stone, I just want you to imagine this, a little manger, a type of feeding trough for animals. And what really gets us in this always, and we over-dramatize it, is the last line. No place for them at the end. And then we'll invent a character, and we'll kind of bash that character. How could you not let them in? They've been traveling 90 miles. Well, we're not really told how that happened. And there's all these theories out there, um, but we don't have time to get into all of them. But the word in, in, I don't know why I said it like that. The word in, it typically just meant like a guest house. And so we can assume a couple things. And people land in one or two areas. One is uh, they took so long to get from Nazareth because of Mary's pregnancy that all of their family homes were full of guests already, so they couldn't stay there. So you might think, why didn't they just stay with family? Uh, no brainer. Well, they may have been full because remember, it maybe took them a long time to get there. I haven't thought of that before. And then many think, uh, one theory, they just stayed at the bottom floor of a guest house. So there was no room at the inn. The actual, most people had an extra, they would have an extra house and they would call the inn. And the top level was for guests. And the bottom level of this uh, would be for the animals. And that's where a lot of people think this actually happened. Just in like a side house at the bottom of it. And so they could just say, all right, we don't have room technically in our real guest house, but you can stay, for lack of a better term, we would say like in a shed, right? So if you have like a big kind of, uh, extra house in the backyard for some reason, that's what they would say. And this is where a lot of people in Bethlehem actually believe it happened. They think it just happened in a cave, a cave where people would, would also house animals and extra things. And so just for lack of a better term, or just for this morning, let's just pretend it's some dim lit cave that our Savior's born into. Or you can think guest house. But think about that. Jesus was born in a, this kind of dim lit cave in a place in a, at a feeding trough meant for animals i mean who would buy that why this way we buy that it's for a reason we saw the decree the distance they had to travel the delivery of jesus and now watch this we have new characters and what kind of our perspective is going to shift this morning and the scene's going to be beautiful and we're going to meet a few of them. The divine is in 8 through 14. Shepherds, where are you shepherds? In 8 through 14, we're going to meet some shepherds. And they're going to see some things. Watch this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Great reaction so far. They're terrified. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you are born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
who is the Christ the Lord. The Christ the Lord. Hold up for a second. Shepherds were in their fields, watching their sheep by night, doing what they were meant to do. They were doing great. And before we move on to this amazing angel of the Lord and the announcement that happened and everything, we have to talk just a second about shepherds because the more you know about shepherds is going to make everything this morning, okay? Watch this. Shepherds back in the day, they, this is what they would do, right? They would tend to their lambs and sheep by day and fight off enemies, uh, take care of them. You've read Psalm 23. You've read some of the, and maybe Jeremiah, a good shepherd, right? They're going to lead them to good pastures, all right? Hey, little sheep, if you're hurt, I'm going to fix it, all right? I'm going to wrestle that bear like David did. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make sure you have shade if it's hot. I mean, Israel's brutal. It's kind of like Texas. It, it can get really hot and really cold. Imagine being a shepherd. And sheep aren't the smartest things. I mean, good gracious. They may be, I mean, they're going to get lost. And by night, they would bring them in close. Either if they had an extra part in their home, like a cave, the shepherds would bring them in. Easier to protect them. But you think uh, being around all those sheep, they're going to be smelling the best? I don't think so. Uh, the shepherds were pretty smelly. And for that reason, they were seen as some outcasts of this society. Um, actually, uh, despised most among the Jewish nation at times. Uh, they were seen as unclean, those that worked with those animals and sheep. And so they were saying, you can't come into the temple. You got to cleanse yourself. You stay on the out. Yeah, you stay out there with your sheep. You're doing great. Keep it up. You know, don't come in town. <laughs> don't do that. They were social outcasts, night watchers. And what were they watching? This is incredible. Yes, sheep. But a lot of people believe this to be, uh, these shepherds were, uh, these are so close to Jerusalem that they were also raising sacrificial lambs that would then be given over at Passover to be killed as the Jewish people celebrate Passover. And that perfect lamb without blemish would be killed to cover the sins of the people for a, for a time. And then another lamb has to be killed and another. Let that sink in for a second. These shepherds were watching sacrificial lambs. And then suddenly, suddenly, a single angel appears to them God's glory also appears to them. And of course, this is creating great fear. It just gives a small part in this text where I wonder what kind of, I wonder what they were doing. And the angel said, no, 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 fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Of course, they're afraid. But he, this angel is saying, hey, I bring you, you should rejoice. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Something's happened. It's the best thing ever. And it's going to be for all people. So listen up. I'm here to tell you a message. And why have joy? Well, Christ the Savior was born this day in the city of David. And he was given this name by this angel. Christ the Lord. The only time it's used in the New Testament is here. And it means Messiah God. It means Jesus saves. Savior Jesus, or God saves. It means all good things. This superhero we've been waiting for, this person who's going to save us from our sin, this Messiah is here. This name's important. And in verse 12, the next slide, watch this. They're given a sign, and this will be a sign for you. This is their message. You will go, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That's what you're going to do. 
You've heard this, now go and see for yourself. The sign will be this. The Savior you've been waiting for, the person who's going to save you from your sins, the uppercase lamb, yeah, you're going to see him. You're in. This is like a, a, when people have grand openings, they like do a soft opening. They're invited to the soft opening. You're going to be VIP access, okay? We're going to invite you. It's like if uh, Lecrae was dropping a new album in 2020, which he is. Uh, but he calls you all up individually and says, it's Lecrae's agent. Hey, what's up, Cynthia? All right, yeah. So uh, we're going to, the new album's coming out. We're flying you out to Atlanta. Yeah, you're going to come to the, the show where we're going to listen to it. We're going to listen to it all together. You're going to get all this swag and merch. Is that okay with you if we pay for everything? And just let you see it and be joyful. Yes. All right. So I'm going to do that. Let's get to the airport. These shepherds are invited in on this amazing behind the scenes. You're first. Come on. I'm coming to you first. Something just happened. Go see. And I love that they told them. I'm sure this was hard for them to hear at first. They're probably like, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what I was talking about. Wait, what? Where's the baby going to be? I mean, why would you put a baby in a manger? That's a crazy place for a baby. That's an insane out-of-your-mind place for the king of kings they've been waiting for. That had to have been on their mind, too. Like, this is awesome. Wait, what? Okay. Well, that's going to be very easy to see, by the way. You're going to definitely recognize a baby that's in maybe a little cave and in a feeding trough. Uh-huh. That's not going to look right. That's our baby Jesus. That's our king of kings. The shepherds are given a mission to accomplish now. And watch this. Our drama expands more characters on stage grand finale and suddenly because god acts suddenly sometimes there was with them the angel of multitude of heavenly hosts praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased a great multitude of angels our student choir sang over there this morning did an awesome job like that we have a choir this is a heavenly choir that would just light up the sky. I mean, you're around a little campfire, and that's pretty good light. But this is going to shine everywhere. They're going to get to see for maybe even like miles, because it's just going to be so bright in the glory of the Lord. And this angel's not alone anymore. He's filled the sky. And Luke, I find it very fascinating. Luke, one of the most detailed writers, a doctor, chooses to let your mind just be in awe and think about what this may look like. He could have gone and spent a chapter writing about this scene, but he chose not to. So that means we should read it, say, see what it says, and move on. But isn't it fun to think about what that looked like? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. We have shalom, peace. I love this. An army of angels. This is an army of angels, and they announce peace. Not war. That's funny. You would think, oh, I'm te- I'm, I'm, I'll be te- terrified. And they announce peace. Shalom. It's all good. A full choir. Praising the Lord in the night sky. This is why we sing songs of, oh, night divine. This is divine. Back, uh, there's a tradition that would happen back then where uh, upon a birth of a child, a small band may go to the outside house or outside the house and play uh, some songs of praise saying, hey, let's greet this baby with music. And so this is sort of God saying, I'm really excited about this birth. This is my son. I'm going to bring in my best choir. All right. <laughs> and they're going to be loud. And I love this. He also does this for Jesus' baptism, his, his son. A little dove floats down. But that's beside the point. 
keep me on track here. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Gloria and excelsis Deo. That's why we sing the song. We will sing the song at the end of this service. And I got, when I went on a trip to Israel, we got to sing this song on top of the nativity scene and think about you looking off in distance and seeing these angels. So when you go to Israel, you'll do that too. We end with the devotion. We've seen all of this. This is great. They, uh, they've been told this is a divine moment. But there's something missing here. The last part of the text, hang with me for a few verses. We're almost done. But this is the most important part. The shepherds have to go see and tell what they saw. The devotion is in 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them in heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Okay, let us go over to Bethlehem and see that this thing has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. Hold it right there. The angels, I love this. Angels went away from them into heaven. A lot of people think they didn't just vanish, that they got to see angels actually descend to heaven because it kind of lends itself that way. I think that's amazing. The only person, by the way, to hear angels sing before this human is in Isaiah, right? Remember Isaiah 6? The only time in the Bible you see a human actually be able to hear outside of Revelation stuff. Don't, don't at me. Um, once you see, it's Isaiah who got to hear angels sing. I've never heard angels sing. That's pretty cool. These shepherds are amazing. They got brought in. They are VIP. God must really love them. This is incredible. This is, I told you this is a good story. And then people call this, what the shepherds do, the Christmas rush, right? They rush to find Mary and Joseph and the baby. The, these shepherds are giddy, right? They're happy. I don't know what they did with the sheep, but we'll just not think of that. We got to go now, all right? Drop your food, your bread. We're going. You'll get more olive oil later. It says, verse 16, with haste. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And then they saw it. And when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Hang with me here. Hang with me here. Watch this. 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and been said to them. Wow, what a story, what a finish. With haste, they went and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in the manger, just as they were told. Of course it was just as it was told. God invited them in. The reaction in 17 through 20, they saw Jesus, and they just said, Mary, Joseph, this is what we just saw. This is going to sound unbelievable, but this is what happened, okay? And they said their story. They also probably told anyone that would listen to them. Imagine who they wouldn't tell. A multitude of angels singing glory, saying, you're going to find the Savior of the world here. And it actually happened. They actually stumbled upon it and found it. They went to Bethlehem. And all who heard it wondered. A lot of people that would hear the story in the streets. And finally, Mary Joseph, um, all these people are probably like, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I want to believe that. I want to believe that. That's crazy. But what did Mary do? Verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things. I love this verse. And maybe it, I, I've been, this has been kind of on my heart. Mary, with all that's happening, I mean, she just gave birth to the, the Savior of the world. And they just, wow, okay. And then to have these shepherds come in and say, this happened and we were told to come here and this is all actually happening. How, I mean, if you're Mary, that's a lot going on. And she's just treasured up all they said. And she's pondering them in her heart. 
She's just reflecting. She may be worshiping God. She got affirmed there. Hey, this is, I know she knows she's not crazy, but this is just an extra little subtle touch by God saying, this is, you're doing great, Mary. We're affirming you. This is all happening just as it's supposed to be. God doesn't throw Christmas together. It's planned and orchestrated. I love that. And then the shepherds returned praising God. Somehow they returned to work. They were going back to their sheep who are probably scattered now, but they don't care. They're going back to their sacrificial lambs, future sacrificial lambs, having just seen the true sacrificial lamb that would save the world from all their sins. If you read ahead in 21, they go ahead and, and name the baby Jesus, just as they were told, Mary and Joseph. Because in Matthew 1, 121, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Jesus means Yahweh saves. Jesus saves. So why did God bring these shepherds into the story, and what does that have to do with you and me? That's a good question. Is it so strange to believe that God uh, would first go to the lowly, the outcast, the rejected, the smelly, for lack of a better term, the forbidden people? No, it's not. It's not that hard for us to imagine God to do this. It's actually perfect. It's actually the most God thing he could have done that matches his character. Because he's done it his whole, throughout the whole Bible. With Abraham and Noah. I mean, think of Abraham, just some common dude. Kind of a, a bad dude in the first, and he raises up Abraham. He raises up Noah. He raises up Ruth. And then David, a lowly shepherd boy in the same field, to become a king. And Jesus is the better David. And Jesus is going to do the same thing with his ministry. He used Jesus in a mighty way, in a humble way. Jesus went to the needy, the outcast, the sick, the disabled, the scandals, even down to the thief on the cross, the very last thing. He couldn't even go to heaven without, I'm going to reach out to you, thief on the cross. This is the heart Christ brought, a humble one, a servant mindset. And how better, how better story than to bring in the shepherds to be the first to see, the VIPs. The soft opening for them, VIP access to the newborn king. The shepherds learn that night, and so do we. The baby, listen to me before the movie, the baby is here for you. No restrictions. Here's your freedom. Go be free. Go experience peace and shalom. Shepherds, go right in. You, go right in. You have complete access to the Father through Jesus Christ. No matter your background, rich or poor, whatever your condition is, you are most accepted in Christ. These shepherds were the low end. And God said, you know what? You know what would really show everyone that it's not about your good works and, you know, it's about the, the heart and mindset. Yeah, I'm going to go to the shepherds, and they're actually going to get featured in the story. That's what I'm going to do. Not the Pharisees. I'm not going to kings and queens. I'm going to the outcast. That's what I'm going to do. I hope that sinks into your heart this morning. You are most accepted in Christ. The Lamb of God born in a cave and a manger used to feed animals to come to Passover lamb for us. To feed the world. And then that we went to the house of bread and the house of flesh. And Jesus later in John says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. So if you have a thirsty soul in here this morning, you can drink. If you've been walking for miles and you're tired, 
You can rest in Jesus. If you're hungry, eat from the bread of life. We also model the shepherds as they receive uh, the message and they proclaim it joyfully to others. This Christmas season, your holiday cheer, this gospel cheer like we talked about, needs to be seen by others. They ran away from here and just said, all right, we got to tell you what we saw. This is incredible. Their Christmas cheer, their abounding joy was rooted in Christ and that can challenge us now. Can we dim a lot of these lights before the movie? I want you to do something for me. So I'm going to paint a picture, and then we're going to watch this, and Justin's going to come sing. We'll be out here right on time. Think of, for a minute, think of Joseph and Mary, okay? Paint this picture in your head. You can get comfortable. All right, all right. Think of, we don't have popcorn. Think of Joseph and Mary coming in from Nazareth. There's no room at the inn, and so they find a little cave, and they light a flame. And they begin... Mary begins to go into labor and have baby Jesus. Now, in the same kind of uh, area, out in the fields, now picture a young man, a shepherd, who is coming into town. And he even had, this shepherd, there's something about him, he had, he, he had trouble walking, so he, he actually walked with a crutch. Maybe it was from a bear or lion attack, maybe just from all the hard work he did. In the streets of Bethlehem, he goes there trying to sell one little Passover lamb, only to be rejected by a Pharisee, saying, nope, here's a blemish, bye-bye. And so he's, he's troubled. The Pharisees rejected what he thought was this little perfect lamb. And then all in the street chaos, this young shepherd even loses his balance because of this kind of slight handicap. And he falls down and hurts his arm. And he's just looking around all this chaos thinking there's got to be more than this. Thinking of the, the prophets promising this perfect lamb to come. And it hasn't. It's getting dark, so he thinks to himself, I've got to head back to the fields. The other shepherds were there already cooking dinner around a warm fire. And one, our young man, returns back to camp with the voices of those unfulfilled promises of Scripture to him, not seeing the Messiah yet, still echo in his mind. There's got to be more than this. Who can save us from the sins once and for all? God, where's the Messiah? 